Welcome to this guy's sick. I am Sam Valentine, and and today I'm just being joined by Jake. We're doing a little. We had a question sent in, right? Well, our bodies, yeah. So, we had a, uh, a question about why we love things. Yes, we why do. we love things the way we do. It was directed at that's just at me and you. It wasn't directed yeah. at other members of the cast, but there's a reason for that. Uh, as I sit opposite Jake right now, he is wearing a Final Fantasy VII shirt. So, yeah, yeah, um, and he's sitting. Thematic motherfuckers. He's, he's sitting in a studio filled with seven stuff behind him on a podcast named after Final Fantasy 7. So... Yeah, and when, when I go home later, I'll be going home to my fucking uh, shelf covered in Final Fantasy merch. The yes. top, top which uh, all seven characters. Uh, so. and, and Jake came here today having basically yeeting everything in uh, intermission within like a day. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't work Friday, so I just spent all of yesterday fucking bombing through it so I wouldn't get it spoiled for me. Lucky, lucky I didn't get any. Yeah, lucky you didn't get I got, I got some before it came out. Yeah, um, with, with, with Sam having the fucking, uh, all the moderators and things to do. Yeah, people just post stuff yeah. within a heartbeat. So we had a question in, um, and it was a, it was a strange one, and, and it, obviously it came from a, a new Square Enix fan, and, and those of you listening slash watching this, I, I did a video, a small video about, about this, about Final Fantasy VII. So, here is the question. I'll read the question in full. Sure. Hi, guys. I have a question for Sam and the Asian sensation. <laughs> I started playing Final Fantasy games because of Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix. So, I'm just going to butt in there. So, Final Mix is the PS4 remake of the PS2 game, Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, right? Well, there, I think... I think there was a Japanese PS2 Final Mix release, but um, for us, we never actually got it until the PS4 release. Yeah, so we're talking about someone who got into Final Fantasy because of a PS4 version of a PS2 game. Yeah, so yeah, I can see why they wouldn't necessarily have played the Anything, previous games. Yeah. The first non-Kingdom Hearts game I played was Final Fantasy 15 and Dissidia Opera Omnia. Uh, Opera Omnia, that's the one of the mobile games... It's not a bad one, actually. As far as the mobile games go, that one's pretty solid. So, when we look at their their version of what they see Final Fantasy, uh, they're going 15 and a, a mobile Dissidia game. Well, yeah, 15 was a very polarised game. Like, a lot of people... A lot of people did enjoy it as the sort of new, fresh take. A lot of people hated it. Yes. And, like, I can see both sides of the coin, especially with how... It felt very short. Was and one of the shallow. problems I It felt very shallow. Fifteen, that big open world, and there was nothing in it. Yeah. I feel like, and you get this with lots of stuff. And we're hearing a lot of this with cyberpunk. We recently had it with movies with the Snyder cut of Justice League, where here's what I fucking wanted to do, and here's what you got. Now, yeah. I can be very critical of what No More does, but. I would say what we finally got in Final Fantasy Fifteen, at least fifty percent of his ideas were removed from the final game from what we saw i think realistically either or would have been better yes. having having all of them still remain because at least it would have been a complete vision or have someone else make the fucking game yeah right? you know like, like if you don't like what no more is doing don't have, don't him, do have it. him involved in it yeah it's a, it was a yeah. very strange thing and like when you actually look up and you look he's very bitter about 
the stuff that he had removed from Versus 13. Because he put it in his Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, he was yeah. like, you know, he's not happy with having that stuff removed. So uh, part of my problem with 15 could just be bad production production woes, right? Which we see all the time in games. Yeah, it's, it's getting more and more common, unfortunately. But with, with the age of technology the way it is, where information from thousands of miles away is available at the touch of a button, like, it's very easy to see every little issue someone has with every little thing. And nobody's business is private unless they're very meticulous about it. So then the question goes on to say, I've also played the remake near Automata and I've bought 10 and 10 2 recently. Okay. So as someone who is a Final Fantasy fan her, herself, her basis of Final Fantasy is 15 and the remake. From, from a Final Fantasy standpoint, because... Kingdom Hearts and Nier are not Final Fantasy games. They're Square Enix games, but they're yeah. not Final I mean, Fantasy like, games. Nier in particular was a fucking phenomenal game. Oh, amazing. But that's, that's an existentially deep game. Yes. Like, that's that's not necessarily for the there and now of the story as, as much as what the story represents beyond what you're actually seeing. So that's that's a whole other kettle of fish anyway. So then the, the, the question goes on to say, I've tried to play the 90s Final Fantasy VII, and I just can't get into it. The graphics aren't great. The music is moody, and I'm not keen on the battle system. So, can you tell me why I should keep playing, and why the two of you praise the game so much? And this is from Emma. So, realistically, I can see her point graphically. M more, more and more people these days are born into the better graphics game. Yes. So, stepping back into what would be probably referred to as retro, generally, yeah. can be quite difficult, especially with a game like that, where... Where they've like touched it up and remastered it and everything is great, but they've they've not messed around with the core fundamentals. It's all still the same game. The graphics are just slightly sharper, more than anything. It is odd to me that when they released the not re, they were remastered to some degree versions of seven and nine in particular, those two that they didn't touch up the models like they did with eight. <sighs> to be honest, I think the reason for that is. The eight models kind of look like someone jumbled up a bunch of pixels and shat them out into a vague shape of a person. Yes. So they kind of the, had to change. The character models in eight needed that overhaul. Yeah. Whereas the character model in seven, while it was a, a little blocky tumor hand motherfucker, yeah, they worked. That was that was the norm for every character model, and it looked right. And then when you went into the battles, you had the better graphics for that. Nine again, the character models actually didn't look that bad. No, they looked better than. They look better than 8, even though they were more chibi style like 7. And it's I think it's because of how they did the definition on each of the models. Whereas 8, there was no definition to the models. They were kind of non-defined. So uh, there is context to this, right? Yeah. And even with 8, there's context to why they look the way they do. When developing 7, it was never intended for a 3D console. Originally, when they first started writing the story and going into it, when they then they started talking Wasn't with like Nintendo, N64 yeah, they then were they were off. so yeah. then it so when they first were developing it, they had Joe Detective in New York, and and that is the story they had right for Seven. That's kind of what they had, and then parts of it they so went glad it wasn't, <laughs> and then, and then and then parts of the story in Seven they went yeah we're gonna make Xeno Gears from this actually and remove that from the story of of yeah of, of Seven, and then yeah, parts of, parts of it like Sephiroth has a sorceress. And him and Aerith were separated at birth and they don't remember each other. And that then got removed and put in eight. 
And like, because that's why Sarah, Aerith yeah. and Sephiroth's designs and hair is so similar because they were meant to be brother and sister when mm. they when they you were first. You can see it in the fringe in particular, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when they were first developing the game, and then the the story changed a hell of a lot, like yeah. between what the themes that they had. We ended up essentially getting three games out of it. I, uh, four, I'm not, I ain't complaining. Four games too, because <laughs> the whole detective in New York stuff went towards Parasite Eve. So, well, we, yeah, yeah, you know, we we kind of ended up with these like four different games out of the cutting room floor of Final Fantasy VII. That's one of the other reasons I think that Original Seven was so good because they took what seemed like too much or didn't fit with the ideas and they split them off to make other games out yeah. of that idea and nothing went unused which is the weird thing because the original design for cloud the very original sketch designs was used for zach yes so it's like so they they nothing stuff that hit the cutting room floor of seven ended up being used elsewhere and in other games as well as right Dealing with the PlayStation device in 1996, when they would have been, well, 95, 96, when they were developing this game, they were dealing with something they'd never, ever tried to do before. Well, yeah, this this was the most 3D anything had been to date for them. Yes, and if you look at other games of that era, like the original Resident Evil, the character models in that are like different blocks for body parts right yeah so and or if you look at say Die Hard Trilogy the the levels where you do (laughs) the levels where you can see the person right yeah no those those were real blocky yeah again product of the time like it's what they could do they couldn't do any better yeah at the time they were fucking fantastic so the only way to do it justice without them looking weird was to go the route they did with with Seven for the mini-map and the map characters. Well, the, yeah, you're, you're the overworld field characters, character. yeah. yeah. Is to go the way they did. In a similar vein to the way the characters in Crash Bandicoot look. Like, Crash's body <laughs> is basically a triangle, right? <laughs> like, a triangle be- with arms. <laughs> yeah, because because they can't make him look like a real Bandicoot. They've got to figure yeah. out what to do with I, this stuff. I fucking love Crash Bandicoot. That was a great game. Um, but So that's, that's that sort of leads into a little bit then. Like, for me... Before 7, a lot of the kind of games I'd played were pretty shallow. I had things like Crash Bandicoot. I had things like Tomb Raider that I played. Yeah. And while Tomb Raider obviously has its own story and is not a bad story, it's more about the action than the story. Yeah. Crash Bandicoot was more about the sort of platforming than an overarching serious story. It had a story. Yeah, but the story was not... It, it was wasn't basic. It, it was Mario. It's Rescue the Princess, yeah, right? It's, that's it's... another one. Like Mario 64... Like that's another game sort of thing. Great that game, played. but yeah, fantastic game, and paved the way for fucking so many things to come. Yes, and like what it did with 3D games really did open up the like open up the can for so many other games. Well, the the three the free camera they added, so moving yeah. the camera around. I can't think of anything that did a free camera before. No, um, I'm pretty sure that Mario, was basically so, the pioneer of it. Yeah, um, but like all these games beforehand, they were good. They were fun. They did exactly what they said on the tin. But for me, there was never a game I'd played before 7 that explored a story as deeply as this did. No. This one this one had gameplay. It had leveling up. It had loads of really cool stuff. But story was the forefront of what was happening. Everything was leading towards... Uh, everything was sort of coming together to create story. Yes. It was leading towards the crescendo. And they... While the game has its ending the ending is filtered throughout every unique interaction you have on the map 
just talking to strangers and for example walking through midgar and they're like i always look at the ground because i never know what's what i'm going to find down there because they fall from above but then later on after the plate fall you go back to that character and they're yeah. looking up and they go i'm looking it up because you never know what's going to fall right <laughs> you know exactly like, and like the the various things that people say from all, all around the different areas like some of it is mundane and it's someone saying something but then you get to places like gongaga where there's people praying at the gravestones yeah. and it's like one of them mentions their husband who died during the explosion and it really sort of serves to show that there is so much more in the world than just these characters. The big, a big feature of Seven is that people are suffering. Yeah. And people are suffering because of corporate greed, because of, um, you know, the way that... Well, mostly corporate greed is why people well, yeah, suffer. They're, they're why, under the heel of the Shimmer Corporation. Yeah, and then this is global. It's not... It, it, even Wutai, when you get to Wutai, they're suffering because of losing a war to Shinra. They're a well, resort yeah. town. They're, and admittedly, that's one of the things that the remake has been doing that I actually think is a good thing where they're exploring Wu time more. It's just there are other issues in that. Yes. But yeah. with the original game, like for me, it shaped everything to come for me. Like every game I've ever played, I've looked at through different eyes thanks to Seven. Seven showed me what a game could really do yes. with a story. Beforehand there was movies, there was books. Games were just, you play, you shoot a few things, you catch a few Pokemon, you run around as a, as a fucking plumber jumping on things. You know, they were very in the moment, you do a thing, you're done. Whereas Seven showed me that there was so much more games could do. They could be a true storytelling medium that is interactive. It, 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 for me, that's what games should be. Yes. They should be a story. You know, a, a huge point of that, and this is me personally. I don't know how old you were when you first played Seven. I was about six or seven. You were about six or seven. So you were really young. So I, yeah. I was I was thirteen, and there's about seven year age gap between us. Yeah. So um, I was thirteen, and I said it on the video, and I'll say you now. I needed that lesson. I needed I needed what Seven presented. I needed it as a person for my own personal development. I needed that. I needed to see someone who was just bullshitting. <laughs> And lying to himself and others around him because he couldn't accept who he was. And me at 13, yeah. I needed that. I needed to, because I did that. I used to tell people bullshit. And like, I used to do it with video games, especially. Like, I'd go, oh my God, have you seen the new Resident Evil 2 rumors? And just make something up. Yeah. Right? To my friends, just so that they would like me, just so that we had something to talk about, just so we could. And I would do that. And then I played Seven and I was like, I don't need to do that because if these people truly like me they're going to like me for who i actually am and that's a lesson i got to this day that stopped a lot of anguish that i had in me that i got from cloud's journey i wouldn't i never i wouldn't have got that from anywhere else at that time you know and that's a that's a deep thing and this is yeah. a, this is a meaning that a lot of people who played the original seven a lot of people our age you know in their in their 30s right that played it look at this game with such high regard is because there were there were hundreds of little lessons like that throughout the whole game. Yeah. From Barra accepting his past with, with Dine, yeah. and, and that entire thing of him manning up and trying to be a good dad. Like, Wait, it's it, so it much. It reaffirms that he feels like he's doing the right thing, which is another thing. Yeah. To Tifa knowing the truth about Cloud 
but going along with his lie to spare his feelings. Like, there are, yeah. there are so many little lessons in, in it. So, to sort of open up a little bit then, even though, even though I was quite young when I played it, I've always been quite an intelligent person. So, to sort of give a little bit of context to my history, when I was in fucking um, reception year, so yeah. for us that's like effectively like just bef- just after kindergarten yeah when i was in reception year i was the teachers called me disruptive and they fucking hated me and they got me tested uh mentally for loads of shit because that's what you do someone's yeah. disrupting fuck them off the give therapy. them drugs and i got tested and the people who tested me the psychologists that tested me they established that i was in the top two percent of intelligent children in britain and I wasn't being disruptive because I was an asshole. I was bored. And I was trying to teach the other kids what the fucking teachers were trying to teach them because I understood it. You better. were not stimulated. Exactly. And for me, that's always been a thing. I've always been like ahead of the curve when it comes to intelligence for my age. And I'm not trying to brag or anything, but one of the problems I always had at school was all the other kids bullied me for being half Asian. So I can joke about it now. And I, I'm happy for people to call me the Asian sensation. I have a great <sighs> laugh with this stuff. Yeah. But it took me a journey to get to that point. Because all the other kids at school would be taking the piss out of me, bullying me, calling me a chinky. I had about two or three friends in primary school. Pretty much up until the end. At, at any point, I only had about five or six friends at most at any point. Yeah. And when I played Seven, this had a story of someone who was putting on a face to hide something else. And while it wasn't exactly the same as my story... It was still someone who comes to terms with themselves before then becoming themselves. Who they who they're supposed who they to be, accepting yeah. who they are. And seven for me is one of the biggest reasons I've accepted who I am and that I'm part Chinese. And rather than being ashamed of it or rather than being worried about what people think of it, I accept it myself. If other people don't accept it, fuck them. I am who I am. I'm going to be that person no matter what. And Seven Seven really sort of showed me that within its story. And I wouldn't be who I am today without the game. No, I'm, I'm exactly Honestly. the same. I wouldn't be the person I am. I wouldn't have gone the, the route I did with fiction, with what media I then sought out yeah. if it wasn't for this. Oh, I, I, I was looking for RPGs all over the place yeah, after that. Yeah, it was just anything <laughs> that could give me... It was like a heroin addict chasing that high. Right? I'm yeah. like just trying to find the next seven, the next thing. And it's funny you should say about, like, uh, you know, we both got different versions of why... Like, I used to just... No, I wasn't happy with who I was. And I wanted yeah. to be cool. I wanted people to just like me. That's the thing. That's one of the bad things about school. Because you always have the you want to be one of the cool kids and it's it's not healthy but it, there's not really a way to avoid it no and it, but then you know the lesson in seven was you don't have to be because fuck them you know yeah. be you and then i'd look around i'd look at my friends and the friends i did have and go we're cool in our own way and we like what we, we like fun. right that's what i mean <laughs> and like um just before we came on air because i asked a few people some questions in different groups and stuff I said we're going to talk about seven. Uh, we're going to do a real little little dig into why it means something to us as people. Yeah. Um, I had someone reach out to me and say that when they were twelve, seven helped them come to terms with the fact that they were gay. And they told me the story of how at school it would be like, oh, Candice or whatever, some fucking woman, some some uh, model or whatever, 
that everyone's fawning over and they're like yeah, yeah i like them too and they were just lying you know and they're just yeah. lying it's like yeah i love them it's like they put posters of women on their walls but the reality was they were watching mr motivator in the morning and getting a hard on right you know and and and, yeah. and and they told me this story of just like you know when cloud comes to terms with who he is and stops lying to himself i decided to no longer lie about how i felt i took all the posters down for, so the moment in, in the high wind when he after Tifa and Tifa goes through the explanation um, of what really happened. And then he tells people, he did, he literally says, I was unhappy with who I am. Like he says, I just lied. I pretended to be my friend's act because I could not face up to the fact that I was a fucking failure. And there's a huge story. There's a huge like personal significance for most people who play the game with that. But to hear it come from someone that helped them with their sexuality, that they're like, I'm outwardly lying about who I am. And they said, as soon as they got to those moments, they took the posters of the women off the wall. They stopped joining in with the conversations. They didn't come out. They said they didn't come out. They didn't feel comfortable in the mid-90s, late-90s, coming out yeah. at school. <laughs> um, and I don't blame them. But they but they, they stopped lying to themselves about it. Well, yeah, and that was what they were telling That's them. That's a huge step. Like even if, even if you're not outwardly being honest to everyone else and saying, hey, look, guess what I am? Being able to help someone come to terms with the fact that they're, well, they're not straight at the end of the day. And not thinking of themselves as a failure, but just realizing that that's just who they are. Yes. That's fucking phenomenal. But the thing with it is, right, between that story that was conveyed to me, and and they knew I was going to say it on air. They that, that it was the per they told me on the purpose of mentioning it. I'm not going to name them because I don't think that's fair. But well, no, they, they know who they are and fucking more power to them. We love you, you know, be yeah, who you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but like, I, but well, I can yeah, 100% identify with everything they said and how that game made him feel yeah. in that moment. Because while it wasn't with my sexuality, I had it with something else, with my identity. You had it with had accepting it with, your, with your race, <laughs> right? You know, like, so we've all had to accept it in different ways. And as soon as someone tells me that, I now know them more than they realize. As soon as they say, I played seven and it changed me in this way and this is the lesson I got from it, I now, I get yeah. something about them, right? And it, it, the, the very strange thing is I know I have friendships with people because of Final Fantasy VII. When I was at school... Well, I, me and you, me and you Yeah, I mean, it's the first thing. When we realised, we, we were in the peripheral of each other, but it was, what I can't remember what we were talking... We, we were I think I was talking was in the to comic maybe shop. Chris... I think it was the comic shop, right? We were in the comic shop sitting there one afternoon, seven a can of Coke or something. Might have been. And actually, we got yeah, into like, a video game conversation. And me and you got into seven, and that was it. Like, that was, there, was you know, that was the end of it. But I had friends at school where you'd sort of come, it was after Christmas period. Seven had been out for a few months. I got it at Christmas in 97. Most people did at that point, I knew. And I remember just seeing this guy that's like drawing a picture of Cloud on his workbook at school and I was like oh you're like seven he was like, oh my god like straight away was, holy <laughs> shit and then like we had my mate my, my friend Dave who, who does actually listen he moved over from America and he was sitting there on his own and I was like what do Americans like <laughs> right He's, this guy's yeah. got no mates right so I was a big comic book nerd so, so the first you? the first thing I went over to him was like hey do you like comics he was like not really <laughs> I was like oh okay he said yeah, I like video games I said I like video games too he's like what's your favourite game I was like Final Fantasy 7 and he was like oh, straight away and then we were <laughs> friends we were like inseparable from that moment like and it was his first day at school because there you go see someone reaches out talks yeah, to him because we common ground instantly got something from it and that and it that camaraderie between 
seven fans is somewhat lost now because the the fan base is so split into factions. Yeah, now that there's a division, it's it's caused a lot of problems, which is unfortunate because beforehand it was just your seven fan. Yes, exactly. And, and if, you know, like out of every game we've ever spoke about, we've done more episodes on seven yeah, than anything yeah. else, right? On this, you know, the basis of this podcast. Uh, we were never meant to be a Final Fantasy podcast. That is a misconception. That's my fault for naming it. Well, I named it, and the logo being, you know, air of getting eaten. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's not it, necessarily a bad logo. But it's because it, it's the reason it's named after that is because of what this meant to me. What like there are a few things in the world that changed me for the better, and Seven is one of them. There was some music that that definitely had a massive influence on who I became. There were some movies, and there are a few books. You know, uh, books like Fight Club for example, definitely changed how I... Because, again, it dealt with identity. It dealt with accepting, trying to be cooler yeah. than what you were. And I've always had a deep understanding of what that means as a message. So that is, you know, that is why, from a personal point, that is why the game means what it does just on, like, helping us understand and develop who we are. But they did have some other points in here. To quickly address a couple of the things that they mentioned about, like, the graphics... I think I said before, like, the graphics I can understand realistically they've not aged all that well but that's that's a byproduct of any games from that era if they haven't been touched up for a remaster or re-release the graphics don't hold up to what we have today they don't but they manage to convey so much emotion with them well yeah well that's do you see what i mean like with the character models the way cloud would stand wipe his hair put his hand on his hip they had to do they had to do emotions through gestures yes so they had to really give you what you were supposed to be feeling what the characters were feeling through physical movement and that in itself is fairly impressive the graphics are something that you have to step out and just ignore don't worry about the fact that you don't like the graphics you have to really push through to see everything else but i think there's like quite a, a levity and a bit of a juxtaposition with the graphics because you're watching these kind of childlike chibi models yeah. go through horrible situations and yeah. that in itself, to me, has a charm of watching these small, chibi is the style characters, live in a world that is evil. Live in a world that is dark, where they are treated as shit. And it's like... It's like right at the start. Like, they go through the thing that they're blowing up reactors to stop them destroying the planet, which is fucking eco-terrorism. Yeah. Which is quite a serious matter in itself. But then you go through a few other things, and they go through, like, the corporate side of things where they're doing some fucking atrocious things in the interest of profit yeah but then when you get to the shimra building and you have that moment where they find Genova, and then there's barrett they're like where's its fucking head and you're immediately dealing with they've got a fucking weird headless being being what is this shit just yeah. casually in one of the fucking upper floors that's fucked and like when you're in that scene you can actually you can see like the way they're moving and the way they're acting. You can see the horror on the characters. Yeah, with Cloud when he climbs up and he falls back and he's just like, "Holy shit!" Despite the graphics, you can really see the emotion of the characters. But then the the music, saying the music is moody, is to that begin a bad with. Thing? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Moody's not a bad thing. To begin with, it is like, but that's because it reflects the the setting and the situation they're in. So when they're in Midgar, Midgar is a dark, moody, depressing, horrible place. 
especially if you live under the plate. Like they they call the the piece under the rotting pizza. I mean that's that's not going to give you any good thoughts just from the name. But like the actual music in the beginning of the game is supposed to be moody because that reflects the situation and the feel of the area. And I'm guessing from Emma's comment of why should I continue and the music being yeah, moody, they haven't got much into the game. I love the music in this game. and They obviously haven't been on a chocobo yet. I love, <laughs> yeah, some of the other music in it as well. They've not been in the Honeybee Inn. Um, <laughs> they, or like, the, again, the difference between the music in the game when you meet Aerith and how her music sounds is completely different because she's in the church, she's growing flowers. It has it has a separation between the dinginess of Midgar and then and it goes on with her, it hits with her personality too. That you've got this cool chick that you've now met who you don't have to lie to anymore. You haven't got to lie. He hasn't got to lie to Aerith as much as he does Tifa because she doesn't know who he is. Well, yeah. So he can kind of be himself a bit more. But beyond that, the thing you notice about Aerith's theme is there's almost a level of foreshadowing within the tone of the tune. It's very sad, even though it's quite peaceful. And because it's very sad and peaceful, it's it gives you that almost melancholy yes once you get to the incident with her you hear it again and you're like oh yeah shit. like, <laughs> like you know. that that is the first and one of the only games that's ever legitimately made me cry no no yeah it's um it's, like it was the first for me too and then there's very few games that have done that to me there are a few sukadon 2 did it that's why that's why seven and sukadon 2 are my like two top favorites we'll probably do an episode on sukadon 2 at some point because i'd love for you to i think you as a seven fan would love that game because it's it's so fun. I'll, I'll have to see about trying to get around to play it at some point to actually give it a go because it, it probably is a game i'd enjoy given that I like a lot of JRPGs and things. But then, sort of stepping back onto the music there a little bit, like, when you get when you get to some of the other places, some of the music is a lot more upbeat and positive because the areas, like, when you get to Costa del Sol... Yeah, I love that tune. That's, that's well. a proper peachy tune. That's, that's all happy singing and dancing. And it's like, you're at a, a beach resort. I mean, of course it's going to be a happy and upbeat at a beach resort. Everyone's oh, the, happy. The, the world map music is upbeat. The high-wind music neutral. is... The I'd high say, wind music is upbeat oh, yeah. too, you know, like um Well then again, the high wind represents Sid's wish and love of flight. Yes. So the music in the high wind makes sense to be a positive note because it represents his loves. Yeah, cuz and, and I'll, I'll say this at this point as we are talking about the music on our our Patreon, we are doing a series of fun fancy soundtracks now the first one isn't on the patreon because i wanted that to go out so everyone can hear what we're going to be doing but jake and i have already said we're going to do the seven one together oh boy the, the music of seven uh the 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 next one is going to be the music of final fantasy 2 it's going to drop next week on the patreon and literally you can sign up to the patreon for a dollar so if you want to hear more about just music and yeah. literally a breakdown of every track and how it makes us feel and and rating the track out of 10 is basically how it's going to work yeah i think i think seven in particular is one that we'll probably go through quite a lot of yes. might even be a couple of might be four one per disc maybe yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah maybe um but, but then again there's about 80 tracks per disc tracks. so yeah, it's a big soundtrack because the, the the one of final fantasy one i did the the first episode which is on spotify apple everything is about half hour long but there are literally like 14 tracks <laughs> yeah well to be fair though like one while it was a fairly big game for especially for its time like it didn't need lots of tracks no like it kind of had your basics and that was it and it, um what i'll say about one is 
and spoiler alert for that episode, it conveys what Iamatsu is going to achieve. You can hear hints yeah. of what he's going to go on to achieve. One thing I would like to say about Iamatsu, though, with Seven, is when he worked on the MIDI soundtracks and he worked on the soundtracks with the the NES and the, the SNES, he was using equipment he was already quite familiar with. But he needed to create for the PlayStation sound chip, <laughs> right? Yeah. For 7, which is why 7 has a lo-fi quality to the sound. So not only is it moody in the way that like the early songs are conveyed, and some of the later songs as well, like oh yeah, the world map once you get meteor and it changes and it starts off slower and it dingier and you're like yeah. oh shit but then it's, you know? it's conveying that sense of foreboding and almost hopelessness to a degree yeah but from a sound quality aspect it is a more dingy lo-fi sound because of yeah. the playstation but again i don't think that's a bad thing like no i i can't see it as a negative to sound so being moody I def- and atmospheric I think i definitely think the thought about sort of the moody soundtrack I definitely think that when you progress further through, you'll start to see more of the variation because, you know, that's kind of the point. The beginning is supposed to be quite a moody, hopeless feeling. And then you open up into a bigger, wider world. And then they start to have more hope and, you know, aspirations. And they, you start to learn more about things. And that's where you start to get it becoming more upbeat. Yeah, and the weird thing is the further you get away from Midgar, the happier, happier people <laughs> happier are as well. Like... You know, when you when you get to to Calm, for example, they don't have a lot of money. The miners, yeah, because they poor. they're complaining about the like the guy in the bar is like, my daddy just drinks all day because he can't work anymore. There's no mines. There's no reactor. It all it's quite, it all, quite, it all uh, siphons from Midgar. There's fuck all for him to do. Yeah, it's quite depressing, really. Yeah, as you get further on, you get to Janoon, and they're all like Shinra stands there. They're like simps for Shinra and Janoon, well, apart from the people underneath it. Right? Well, yeah, they hate it because they polluted and they you can't fish anymore. The water, they can't fish. You can't. But then when you start branching out a little bit further, Gongaga, for example, there's no reactor there anymore. It blew <laughs> up. The fucking thing blew, <laughs> it blew up. up, right? And the people are not happy. They don't like talking about it either. Um, I was going to say, see, I think I've lost my point. I was like, oh, they get happier the further you get away, but they don't. <laughs> yeah, no, some, some of them, some some places are some places. Middle's all right, because they'll sell, they do. Tai is a surprisingly happy and upbeat thing for a place that's been fucked by war. Yeah. Which is almost quite a juxtaposition there between the the music and the place yeah because well but even then like they've had it's very Asian though (laughs) that's probably why you like it Um, that's very true actually I did always like the music there Um, yeah just hit your roots Um, just (laughs) it's a bit like me with Nibbleheim well no I'm from London so so for me Midgar Midgar was about right really (laughs) I'm just from a from a uh, family roots being Nordic Nibbleheim in its name itself is very yeah, like with with the with the music throughout the game, I think it's one of the best game scores to ever be created. Yeah. I think from a Final Fantasy standpoint, off the top of my head, that ten and eight possible and nine actually, those four have some of the best songs, best music in all of Final Fantasy. So, I definitely think ten has a very good score, but there's there's quite a few tracks on, on that I think that drop a lot. I liked a lot of eight's music, but again, there's a lot on that that I'm not such a big fan of. Nine. Uh, I'm ashamed to say I still haven't finished. Um, so I've not played as much of that as I really should have done. Seven Seven was always my favourite. And like I like almost every track in that one. Even down to like 
the seedy Don Corneo music. For me, realistically, I think the best soundtrack after 7 is 14. The 14 versions of everything are fucking awesome. But you step away from the previous versions. The, um, the song you hear, the Scion's bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah Waking, Waking Sands. Sands. That is fucking amazing. I love that. I have that as my PlayStation background music one of my one of my favorite ones is um a long fall which most 14 fans are going to hear those words and go yeah fucking yep. awesome because <laughs> a long fall is brilliant but one of the ones i really like is called return to oblivion that's the shiva one from the current the Shadowbringers stuff okay and it's oh my god i love the way they do that in the game and like even though i hate the fight and we i never managed to finish it actually for the uh the savage version but like we would me and my group were doing that for fucking like weeks and weeks and weeks and just never managed to, to do it i never got bored of the music not yeah. once and i was hearing it for two to three hours three times a week every oh. week the music the music side of things it is moody at the beginning but again if you stick it out a bit further you'll start to hear the music that isn't moody because realistically a lot of the soundtrack is very up and down and it's all dependent on, on the scenario. Yeah, yeah it, it's scenario based. It, it's based on the scene and the area you are in for a reason. It's written I mean, that fuck. way. The gold saucer music, for Christ's sakes, Jesus, stays on during sex. Stays on <laughs> during sex. <laughs> um, and, and then their final question was: they're not keen on the battle system. So I'm, I'm going to go right ahead and say you probably aren't going to enjoy the battle system of any turn-based RPG if you're having a problem with this. And looking at your past yeah. history of games that you've mentioned, the Square Enix games you mentioned, they're very fast-paced. Fast-paced, action-based RPGs. Yeah. RPGs didn't really used to be action. And then when they were back in the day, like Grandia, even Zelda, they're not what they are now. Well, right? yeah, Zelda, Zelda was the typical pattern of three slashes and then he repeats the actions. And every boss was you hit it what three sets of three times and you're done like that was that was action at its most basic whereas now you've got like combos and fucking all sorts leveling up abilities damage modifiers like fucking you name it it's there yeah i like turn-based combat and i cannot yeah. persuade someone who doesn't like turn-based combat to suddenly like it yeah I, I think that's an impossible mission i will however say that there is a lot of versatility to servants combat especially when you get more materia and oh, yeah. there are combinations and there are ways to literally like destroy enemies and battles and with your combinations that finding those combinations without looking them up as well figuring them out for yourself for the first time fun. and it feels like a sense of achievement like i'll be honest like i never i didn't beat any of the weapons other than the ones you're supposed to i didn't beat any of the weapons as optional super bosses on my first run through the game i didn't do it i just because I was new, it's the first time I played a game like that. Like, I, I didn't have any clue what I should be... Well, to be honest, it's the only game of its type, because it's the only game that does that with materia. I didn't have a clue about some of these combinations. I mean, fuck, I never found Knights of the Round on my first playthrough. Like, it's not the sort of thing you'd immediately think, I'm going to breed chocobos till I get a gold one and then go to the corner of the map. You didn't quite know what breeding them would do until a bit later in the game as well when it's like oh you can do this and this and you're like i didn't oh, even really? know you could breed them the first time around. i knew you could catch them and race them i didn't know you could actually breed them yeah i thought the other colors were just for the fucking the other races in the gold saucer but like funnily enough um i never went looking for seven i was lucky in that 
one day I was just at home fucking doing whatever I'm doing, playing my games. My mum just came home and just like, oh, I saw this. I thought you'd like this. Just hands me a copy of this fucking more or less brand new game that's more or less brand new out. And it's like, oh, okay, that sounds really cool. You know, saving the world. I'll give it a go. So and I fell in love with it. For me, I saw the trailer, right? on television well, I think my mum was watching some bullshit right some <laughs> some some bullshit mum TV and I looked yep. up and I remember seeing the thing that stands out in my mind the most from that trailer and I haven't watched it in a very very long time was in the trailer it shows you Sid sort of like doing doing his pose for a summon and I was like that looks like a fighting game <laughs> in my mind I was like yeah okay. but then it showed you Chocobo's racing through you oh, first go to saucer. the gold saucer yeah. and I was like well what it's racing as well and then it showed you like monster coming out of Nibbleheim's little his little egg pod falling oh, out it's like yeah. and horror what is this like what the fuck is to be this fair, that actually is a really good point because seven actually has a lot more than you realize on the surface it's not just a turn-based rpg you've got a racing minigame You've got horror elements in the story. You've got thriller elements in the story. You've got fucking loss, grief, love. Like, there's so many themes within the overarching oh, story. fucking thousands and thousands. That, like, it isn't just, like, again, it just, it explored everything that a story could be. It's so much more than just an RPG. And, like, it's, it's almost a symbol now. Like, to go a little bit existential here... It's almost a symbol now for those of us who have truly understood gaming as like a, a, a storytelling medium, yeah. as a, almost a lifestyle. And, and the evolution of gaming as well. Yeah. I mean, Seven was the one that came along and changed everything. I can't think of, I can't think of any game that's had the impact Seven has had on the industry um, in a positive light. I can think of many that introduced <laughs> loot, loot boxes or some shit that they've oh. introduced via um, Mass Effect 3, unfortunately. That's... I think is the first first time we ever saw loot boxes is Mass Effect 3's online mode. So I think we're coming to the end, not of the end of talking about 7. because we <laughs> no, could, we'll, we, be, we'll be back. But yeah, so yeah, the, the we... final part of it was, can, so can you tell me why I should keep playing and why the two of you praise the game so much? I'm hoping we've done that at this yeah. point. Like, Honestly, like directly talking to you, Emma. You know, we we can't we can't make you enjoy turn-based games, but if you can look past that and play it and really experience the story, you will understand us better as people. You will understand oh, a sure. lot of seven for players sure. better. Like every player who says, "I loved the original seven. It was a game that changed my life." You will understand them and by understand understanding why the game. Is. Yeah, you understand why that is, and you'll have an instant bond with those people. I'd like to be able to add more context because there there is a time period we're talking about here. We're talking about the late 90s. Yeah. We're talking about, for us as, as Brits, coming off the back of a very harsh conservative reign that went from the late 70s with Margaret Thatcher to Tony Blair coming in as the Labour Prime Minister. And there was a stark harshness to people in the 90s within the uk darkness to the unemployment level to and you could find this throughout lots of 90s media from the england you know you look at the songs of oasis the original songs of oasis where they're singing about getting their dole check and they're singing about yeah. drinking and living on a cancer estate because they have fuck all to do there was a <laughs> darkness to it and we also had that mirrored 
in the United States after both in across the world the 80s was a very decadent era with lots of money going around people being able to afford their own homes people being able to buy a lot oh, what's people, that like? exactly right so we went from that oh. decadent cocaine era in the 80s right where uh, you know Reaganomics as they would call it and these people on Wall Street earning fucking millions and millions to the 90s you mean where stealing millions and millions to, yeah stealing millions <laughs> and, to the 90s where people were just starting to realise things hadn't worked out the way they thought they would and we saw that in America with like the grunge explosion, yeah. which is dark and grim and very sarcastic. And it's, it's like we, and we saw that as well, again, with not only grunge, but the rise of people like Marilyn Manson and that kind of, you know, sort of like, I'm going to be, you know, almost androgynous before an explosion of sort of androgyny that we're seeing in today's era, like way, way before we were seeing this stuff. And we saw it through the media of the time as well in the 90s. We saw it a lot through, like I said, with Fight Club as a, as a film coming at the end of the 90s. And yeah. other 90s fiction where it was quite dark and introverted. Yeah. Which then gave birth to the early 2000s with the explosion of emo. And, and the dark introvertedness that we saw in the 90s now became its own little self-contained genre. Yeah. And when we look back at a game like Seven, you have to take in the socio-political climate of the globe at that time period, the way people were just feeling, the way like, the way it was not okay. It really wasn't okay, especially in the UK, to be who you were, to walk around with a Metallica t-shirt on in 1997 will get you beaten up, right? You'd be called a yeah. grunger or a fucking metalhead and attacked for it, right? For, for a little gay kid back in the time, you were called every slur you can imagine because of who you are things have changed the climate we're in now isn't as bad and i know a lot of people would like to say it is it really really isn't yeah no the, like the the oppression even even 20 years ago was horrendous yeah and i it, it, we're talking about an era where a game like seven meant so much because of what we were witnessing around us at that time period as well it's very much a reflection on the 90s. The game is a very big reflection on the 90s. It was very much 90s. railing against the corporate greed and all the corporations and governments and everything who were dictating to us what we can and can't do. And it do, was doing it get. before it was cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and it was doing it before it was it. cool. It was doing it before people had Antifa on their social media profile. I've got Tifa. No, oh, Antifa. Uh, and, Antifa. Uh, yeah. I've got, got Tifa, Tifa on my everywhere. <laughs> I've got yeah. Tifa in a private folder on my phone. Well, I mean, <laughs> I ain't complaining. Um, oh, gross, where? Yeah. <laughs> my, my genuine hope from this, Emma, I really hope that our passionate words of, you know, appreciation for Seven encourages you to push through and keep playing. And I really hope you love it too. I really hope you find something about you, the game that you like and can really connect with us on. But I, I'm also not going to be... If, if you can't enjoy it, if it is too far removed now from the time period, from what you like as a game mechanic, to you already experiencing the remake, because I think that's, it might change how you feel. If you love the remake, the original, while similar for 90% of the first half, well, first quarter of the original that we see in the remake, while similar, that you, there are things like you are not going to be seeing Sephiroth anytime soon. Um, there are no time ghosts or flashbacks or there is or literally 
or, or Zach. There's none <laughs> of that. There's there's no there's no Midgar uh, Yuffie content. <laughs> no, 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 no fights. Um. You 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 might find Yuffie if you're lucky between the fucking Mithril Mines and Junan. Yeah, if you if you head straight out the mines, just go straight in those woods and run around for, in a circle. You'll find yeah, her. Just stay in the woods and don't leave them until you find her. Jokes aside, though, Ever Crisis by the sounds of things. Ever Crisis is going to be what we a wanted one in one the first remake. place. And I'm kind of hopeful for that. But, like, as a weird point, despite the fact that a lot of people don't like Battle Royales and everything and their mothers is fucking doing one at the moment, apparently, the first soldier, um, the fucking the beta test yeah, yeah. that's going on. I've heard people like it. So Apparently, it's really good, despite the fact that it's a mobile Battle Royale. Personally, I don't know. I'll try it because I'll oh, yeah, try I'll everything. Everything seven related, I will try. Yeah. So if they brought for better out, or for worse, we'll if they try if they brought out like the biggest seven dildo, I'm gonna try it. The uh, the 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 Buster the Buster Nut Blade. The Buster Nut Blade. Yeah. If they brought that, I'm gonna try it because I will admittedly try everything seven related, which is why I even have like the on the way to a smile book sat on a shelf over there on display. Actually, again, weirdly, I don't think the on on the way to a smile book was that bad. It's it's the other one. The the kids are alright. That I've I've got that now. And I'm going to give it a read at some point when I've got some time. I've not really heard a lot about it, to be honest. Like, a lot of people aren't even aware that it's a thing. Yeah, well, a lot of that stuff, people don't people don't realise how much media was on the compilation. A, a lot of people haven't seen the um, Last Order. All, all it did was extend and give more context to just that story. Just more context. And but that's like, what I wanted from the remake. I just wanted yeah. some more context. Same. You know? But, like, the kids are all right. Characters like Kyrie and um, characters like that in Remake are apparently from... They um, are, yeah. They're from the other books. Yeah, from yeah, that yeah. book. So, I always thought Kyrie was just going to turn around and be Yuffie, Yuffie. in disguise. <laughs> so, so many people did. You know, like, if they meet up at some point, it's going to be very weird. People are going to go, are you the fucking same people? That's my they sister. Do. They, do. Oh, you, they do. You you can walk up to Kyrie in the intermission and play Fort Condor with her. <laughs> That's quite cool. And, she, and if you beat her, she openly, she's like, oh man, I cheated and still lost. <laughs> it's like, oh, fun. oh, bitch. <laughs> but yeah, like, if you if you like this, if you like the, this little chat word of warning we shit post a lot on air um yeah and make some yeah. very yeah. non-pc jokes but they all come from a place of love um <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so we 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 do do a lot so so just a pre-warning uh, uh for the new listeners which we managed to get quite a few recently and and new viewers and stuff that our podcast is mature <laughs> e mm. does not stand for everyone. Yes, as it turns out, yes. it, does not, it does not stand for everyone. That is a complaint we had in. Someone thought the E stood for everyone, and apparently they played our podcast to children, uh, which they really shouldn't have done. But no, thanks for listening or watching whatever you saw. Oh, Jake's now giggling to himself yeah, over that. Uh, sorry, it's um, And yeah, just just check more of our content out, and hopefully we can entertain you. Let me entertain you. I, I, I just, I was going to join in, but I thought I'm just going to let him go. <laughs> let him go on that one. That's what uh, my girlfriend does as well. <laughs> just, just do it. Just, just, do it. just don't wake me. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I sing too much. I'm sorry. Yeah, but no. Thank, thanks for watching slash listening. Uh, you guys, you guys have been great. It's been great hearing a lot of comments, especially on YouTube about how you yeah, feel definitely. about seven and on on twitter we've had a load of people mention how they feel about it's seven good, it's as good well. to see all the love for it and you know 
the like the fact that people also believe like we do that the original is fucking phenomenal and yes, they didn't need to change and it, too much. And it, they're, they're changing and retconning way too much and it's just unfortunate that they've gone that route but I kind of understand why they have as well. Yeah. Money, milking it. Uh, before we went on air, we mentioned about anime being involved and Final Fantasy games were not full of anime tropes until Crisis Core onward. And then the anime tropes were huge involved in the future of the franchise. Not so much 14, but from Crisis Core onward, there are a lot of anime. Like 15 is just full of them. And if you look at spin-off series like Kingdom Hearts, which is a Final Fantasy spin-off series. Yeah. I hate to break that to people. It's a spin-off of Final Fantasy. With it's Disney. also full of anime tropes too. Oh, fuck. They need, they, they need to take away Nomura's TV. They just need to stop and <laughs> just look. No more visual key. No more, no more anime. Stop, stop watching my hero before you yeah. write stuff. All right, for fuck's sake, Nomura. <laughs> and if there's, a, and listen, I don't care if you like Back to the Future. That's gone as well because we're not doing any more of this time. No travel more time. Oh, Get fuck, it's gone I out of it. I fucking hate time travel. I fucking hate it. Just remove it from the game. No and, more. And he's like, even Nomura stepped back from part two now, and he's only a producer, and he's not yeah. a director. I'm out. I've broken yeah. it. Someone else fix it. I think we've got the guy who did 13 doing the part two, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But again, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, you're great, uh, and the support's been awesome. And listen, the people that have disagreed with us, you're entitled to your opinion, um, and we're allowed to disagree, and that doesn't make us more enemies. That's fine, too. Yeah, like, we, we can disagree, and we can we can not like each other's opinions, but it doesn't mean that we don't respect your opinion, and it doesn't mean that we hate you. No. It just means that we don't agree with what you said. Exactly. Which it's is allowed. Fine. We're allowed we're to just, have... Let us fine. have our fucking opinions, man. Come on. I, I, I put a message on my Facebook the other day saying, stop trying to make people more like you and accept them for who they are. Oh, this is a few days ago. Original Every, theme right there. Everyone everyone should listen to that because it is one of the original themes from Final Fantasy VII. And, and you should just do that. Much like the movie American History X which is about a neo-Nazi who learns not to be a neo-Nazi. And the big theme of the movie is if we stop arguing and stop going after each other, we break the cycle of violence and hatred and we need to come to terms with accepting each other for who we are. And I think it's a message that has been lost to many on both sides of the political spectrum. And it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. But yeah, that's a final thought for today. So Thank you very much, guys. It's been fun. Peace.